welcome. You're like, what have I walked into? If you're here for the very first time, you're our very special guest, and we're so grateful that you're here. Actually, in I can't believe it's already week six of a series that we're calling The Orchard. We're spending nine weeks kind of learning about the fruits of the Spirit, and today we're all the way up to goodness. I don't know about goodness, but I'm just going to unpack kind of what the Lord is sharing with me in real time. And, you know, I don't know how many of y'all are on, on social media, but just yesterday, um, my wife and I... And my mom, we were at uh, our youngest son, Ben's, last two soccer games in Rantoul. You got to know you love your kids when you get up really early on a Saturday morning to drive to Rantoul, Illinois, y'all. And uh, well, we have, happy birthday, Nicole Espinoza. Uh, good to see you as well. Happy birthday. You're like ADD, get back on track. Um, but while we were sitting there, Rachel and I were sitting in, we have those kind of, those bag chairs that you take around to every single sporting event. And while we were sitting in there, Rachel's like, I think we need to upgrade these chairs. They're getting a little bit old. They're a little bit uncomfortable. And I kid you not, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before. When you say something and then you get on social media and there's a sponsored post for that exact same thing. I don't know what kind of voodoo black magic that is. Like it even happened to me a couple weeks back. I was sitting there and I was watching preseason basketball and I just had a thought in my mind, like I could really go for some ice cream right now. And on the, I didn't even say anything to anybody else. And as I'm sitting there on the commercial break, I scroll on Instagram and there's a sponsored post from Dairy Queen. Get thee behind me, Satan. And so many, many months ago, I was already planning out what would the nine weeks of this series look like. I hadn't written a single word of this message. I hadn't looked up one solitary Bible verse to share with you this morning. I kid you not, I need to think about goodness. I get on Facebook later on that day. I'm scrolling through. I saw all your pictures on vacation. Y'all look good. And as I was going through there, there was a, a, a quiz that asked, how good are you? And so, of course, I had to take it. <laughs> I had to see. And, like, I was ready because I'm good. Rach, I'm good, right? She ain't going to answer that. It is pastor appreciation. I am your pastor, girl. <laughs> but I took it and started asking questions like, how often do you tailgate? Y'all know I'm pursuing patience. And I had to be honest. And I said, quite a bit. And then it went on to ask you, um, if you won the lottery, how much of it would you give it to charity? And I thought, is Nike a charity? <laughs> is a Michael Jordan retirement fund a charitable gift? That boy needs some help. And I got all the way to the bottom. I answered 12, 15 questions. I clicked submit, and this was my results. It said you got 41% good. 59% bad. Here's what they told me about myself, these jerks. There's an interesting blend of good and evil in you. Most people consider you to be rather bad. But your friends and family know you've got a heart of gold. In fact, with a little bit of effort, you can become a totally moral person. All it would take would be some honesty, a kind deed here or there, and a vow to stop privileging your own convenience over other people's needs. I hear you, Lord. But will you choose to redeem yourself? Only you know the truth. 
if I did a few more good things, I could increase my score. But when I look at this, can I tell you, goodness isn't something we do. Goodness is something we are. Goodness is something we are. And we get it twisted because we will go buy a new outfit to look good. We will go to the gym so we can feel good. Even some of you today, when you took your children to Riverside Kids, you leaned over to them and said, be good. But can I tell you, goodness isn't just an action, it's actually an attitude. It's a determination every single day to be led by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, none of the fruits, including goodness, will be seen in your life. See, the Greek word, you know I love words. The Greek word for goodness is agathosune. Agathosune actually combines components of being good and doing good. And really, when you think about goodness, there are few people in Scripture that really highlight and exhibit goodness in the Bible more so than the men that we see in the Old Testament book of Daniel. The Old Testament book of Daniel takes place about 600 years before Jesus. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was victorious over King Jehoiakim of Judah. They say that as you read throughout the passage, the Lord gave the Babylonians victory over Judah because Judah continued to sacrifice to idols. They continued to worship idols. It also says that they didn't remember the Sabbath. And as you see the victory of the Babylonians over the Judeans, this is one of, one of the first three battles that come. As you continue to read through Scripture, there's another one that takes place between those two armies eight years later. And then another one ten years after that. And as you read through it, King Nebuchadnezzar was allowed to take some of the things from the temple. It also says that he was allowed to take some of the men from the, from the army of Judah. And when I read it, it sounds a lot like some of the single ladies in this room today. Where are my single ladies? Let me hear you. There's like four of you, that's it? I've been praying for nothing. Although there's like 71 of you. But when you read this, it sounds like what some of y'all single ladies are looking for. It says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking men. But can I tell you, it's more than that. When you look at the qualifications, it continues to go on. Make sure they're also, ladies, write this down. Smart, have good judgment, and are willing to serve. See, because can I tell you, my looks have faded in the last 18 years. But my goodness hasn't, baby. (laughs) She's like, can you stop talking to me already? Let's just, let's just move on. Daniel 1, we're going to spend some time in, in Daniel today. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm hyper. We haven't had any sleep last night. God, pray for us. Holy Spirit, come in this place. And I've had seven cups of coffee. So let's go. Daniel chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Here's what it says. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. 
the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Today, for my note-takers in the room, I want to show you three places where goodness can be found in our lives today. Three places where we can showcase goodness. Number one, where does it start? It starts with our morals. It starts with our morals. See, as these men, as you read through the passage, as they were brought to Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar hatched a deliberate plot. They were to be taught their, their new language, their new history, the, the new things that they needed to know, their new habits of the new culture. They also go on to say that they were welcomed with the king's own food. It was intentional to try to bring them along because you need to know that the king's food was much better than, than the food that was offered to the common folk of this time. But then it goes on to say that their names were changed. Their names, if you look at this passage, were changed from ones reflecting their connection to their God to now changing their names to ones reflecting their connection to these false gods. And on the screen, you're going to see the names and kind of what they, what they mean. See, when you look at this, Daniel's name, Hananiah's name, Mishael's and Azariah's name, they all have to do with God. God is my judge, beloved by the Lord, who is as God. The Lord is my help. But King Nebuchadnezzar changes their names, and look at all their names now. Baal's prince, command of Aku, who is like Shaq, servant of Nabo. All four of those now are connections to these idols, connections to these false gods. And see, you need to know that through the education, through the food that they were offered, through the changing of their names, this was an attempt at total indoctrination. The goal was to make these men completely forget and walk away from their Hebrew God. And can I tell you, the enemy, the devil, does the exact same thing to us all these years later. The enemy would love nothing more than to, to try to educate us, to try to brainwash us with the things of the world. The enemy would love nothing more to make you start to feed on everything other than God's word. And if we're not careful, the enemy will now try to rewrite our identity. He will try to give you a name not given by God, but he will try to get you to align with the things of the world. And see, Daniel, when you read about him, he didn't object to his name. He knew who he was. He says, you may change my identity, but you will never change who I find my identity in. He goes on to say, I'm not worried about the education because I knew, he knew what he believed in. His foundation was so secure in God. But the one thing that we see in Scripture that he did object to, he objected to the food that he was given. He says, I'm not going to allow the food to defile me. Other definitions, other translations say pollute, stain. Why did he push back on the food? Because, number one, it wasn't kosher. It wasn't something that the Jewish people had, had been able to eat. Number two, most of the time the food that the king served would have been food that was originally offered as sacrifices to the false gods. And, 
And finally, number three, in biblical times, anytime that you had a meal with somebody, it, it showed relationship. It showed friendship. It was a sign of agreement with what they were doing. And you need to know that this is a really bold request pushing back against the king. This was really bold for Daniel to do because at this time he could have been seen as uncooperative. There could have been a stop to any advancement that Daniel could have had. He could have been seen even as a threat of punishment right around the corner. And really, to be honest with you, the food probably looked really good. But Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. And he goes on to say, here, let me make a deal. What if you started to test us and for 10 days, the four of us were only going to eat vegetables and water? Every year, at the beginning of the year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're kicking it off again on January 2nd. It's going to run from January 2nd to January 22nd this year. And part of that fasting process is not to lose weight. It's not to start off your new year, new you. But it's really an opportunity to, to quiet the distractions around us so we can clearly hear from the Lord. And every single year, my wife and I, we do what's called a Daniel fast, where it's only eating water, fruits, vegetables, that actually starts right here. The name is from, that's what Daniel did in, in this passage. See, you know, Daniel was a man uh, of virtue. He was a man of moral excellence. He did what was right and avoided what was wrong. And in the year 2022, there are too many Christians within our doors, within our friend circles, that we're not known for our virtue, we're actually known for our vices. We're not known for being men and women of virtue, we're actually known for the things that we do outside of this building. See, I'll tell you, it has been a wake-up call over the last, say, five years as pastors, as leaders of this house to see what other churches have walked through, both large churches and small churches. What has happened is that the pastor would say things on the platform and they would be living a totally different life outside of the platform. See, it's really important for me. I know I'm messy. I know you're going to hear things today that you don't really like. But I want you to know I'm trying to be a man of virtue that what you see is what you get. And see, where did I learn that? What was my model? It's Pastor John. That this man served churches for decades and decades. He had the leadership mantle of this church for almost 20 years. He retired without a single hint of anything against him. He's the man we should all want to be like. The man we should all follow. I honor you. I love you. I'm not going to look at you because I'll start crying again. See, I'm in a place right now, I want to learn from the mistakes of others. I don't want to walk down the same path. We're having conversations with our kids at home. Hey, I know your friends are doing this and they've gotten in trouble. Learn from that. Don't go down the path. Learn from that so now you can move in a different path, being guided by the Holy Spirit. See, because if we're not led by the Holy Spirit... 
we will not be known for our goodness, but our weakness. It's why I said for six weeks in a row, we have to every single day, Holy Spirit, I need an infilling of you once again. Once a week coming in church is not enough. It's constantly over and over again. And see, what does goodness look like? I don't think my son is in here. He's 15 years old. His name is Liam. Can I be honest with you? This is confession time. Some of y'all aren't going to like this. That's okay. Start your emails. Michael.Richson at RiversidePeoria.com. But I'm standing here today that my son, my 15-year-old, has heard me curse one time in his entire life. He could tell you exactly where he was, what the word was, what the situation was, what time of day it was, down to the minute, and what song was playing on the radio when we were driving in the van. It was one of the most embarrassing times of my life. Because I lost it on my son. A word came out of my mouth I hadn't said in years and years and years. Why am I telling you that today? Because when I look back on that season, when I look back on that moment of what I was walking through, I, I, I had started to, to walk away from my relationship with Jesus. There was a moment where I hadn't given up my faith. I hadn't walked away and, and didn't think that, that God was a real thing anymore. It's those tiny day-by-day steps that unless you're in God's word, it can happen to the best of us. Unless you are spending time in God's word. And see, what had started to happen, I was detaching myself from my relationship with the Lord. And can I tell somebody today in this place, detaching will always lead to declining. Detaching will always lead to declining, to go to a place that you never were intended to be. Why do I say every single Sunday to get in church? Because you miss one week. And then it becomes two weeks. And then it's five weeks. And then it's two months. And before you know it, you haven't been here since June. I'm not standing in a place of judgment. I'm trying to teach some of y'all today. You will start to detach yourself from Jesus and you will start to decline. It's why every single day I've got to be in God's word. I think this daily Bible reading plan is one of the greatest things we've done in the history of this church. It's caused every single one of us to be intentional about spending time in God's word. You can't detach yourself from godly community. You need to be in this space. Next year, I'm going to tell you, we're doing Vision Sunday next month. The Sunday right before Thanksgiving. And I'm going to share the vision for what it looks like going forward. Can I tell you? Spoiler alert. We're going to land really hard on making connections within this church. 2023, we're going to give you total, so many opportunities to get connected to one another. Why? Because this year has been so hard for so many people to call Riverside home. They feel like they're going through life in isolation. They feel like they're going through life by themselves. Psalm 15, 1 through 5 says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who live blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. 
those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand forever. See, do you see the mark of a truly great person in the scripture? They, they lead blameless lives and they do what's right. See, so many of us, that's our charge right now today when it comes to goodness. We need to start leading blameless lives and do what was good. See, what was the secret to Daniel's success? As you read through his story, as you read through the entirety of Scripture, Daniel was focused on God and Daniel was fastened to God. He was so focused on God, wherever you take me, I'm going to follow And he was fastened to God. Nothing's going to pull me away from this relationship, Lord. I want to be fastened to you. You go back and read the story. After 10 days of just consuming water and vegetables, it goes on to say that Daniel and his friends were healthier than all the rest. And things start to shift. Things start to move. You pick up in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter regarding wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. Because, he, because these men were focused on God and because they were fastened to God, they were favored by God. The Lord started to open up influence. The Lord started to give them opportunities. The Lord's hand was clearly on these four men. See, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, when the goodness is evident in your life, can I tell you, God will open doors. God will give you opportunities. You will step back and see, it wasn't because of what I did. It's only because of what God did. See, goodness is seen in our morals, but secondly, goodness is seen in our motivations. It's seen in our motivations. You continue to read King Nebuchadnezzar later on in in Daniel chapter 3. He makes this gold statue. It's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And the king says, whenever his music is played, you need to stop whatever you're doing, drop to the ground, and you bow down in front of Uh, of this gold statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he required complete, immediate obedience whenever this was taking place. Well, it gets back to the king, a report. Hey, king, you need to know that those four men are not doing what you've asked them to do. And it says that Nebuchadnezzar gets, gets angry but he must have listened to the message from last week because he clarifies the offense. He calls three of the men in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and say, is this true? This is what I'm hearing. He did it face to face like we talked about last week. And the king goes on to say, hey, let me remind you, these are the expectations when it comes to worshiping this gold statue. 
And he sounds like a dad in this moment. He says, I'm going to give you one more chance. And if you don't obey what I'm saying, there's going to be consequences. And the consequences aren't a timeout. It's not taking the iPhone away. The consequences by not agreeing and obeying the king's request is that you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. There will be true consequences for you. You pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. See, their motivation was continue to serve God. Their motivation was continue to trust in God. And imagine this moment. The king is yelling. The people are looking at them. I'm sure the music is now starting to play again. And they hear in the distant background, the furnace is starting to blaze. There's a moment where they have to figure out what are we going to do. But see, when you look at Daniel chapter 3, in the lives of these three young men, there's three things that they do. I want you to write these down today. The first thing that we see in Scripture is they welcomed the flames. They welcomed the flames. See, they were, they were prepared. They were trained for this. And see, it started with them not eating the food. See, they were faithful to God in the small things, so now they were faithful to God in the greater things, in the bigger things. See, some of you today, you need to start being faithful to God with the small things. You need to start reading God's word and not just reading it, but applying it in your life. We talked about kindness last week. You need to start clothing yourselves with kindness and now be guided by the Holy Spirit. Where are those opportunities? Who are the people that I could extend kindness to today? See, I love this passage because when you read this, there's two things that could happen. They say, God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't. God may rescue us, but even if he doesn't. They trusted in God's ability, but they rested in God's will. See, I don't know what season you're walking through right now, but yes, continue to trust in God's ability, but ultimately be resting in God's will. See, these three men weren't scared of the fire. They were prepared for the fire. They knew that the training, all the small things that they were doing, their ultimate trust and faith in God were going to be the ones to bring them through it. You continue to read in verse 19. As you continue to read down, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. See, first of all, they, they welcomed the flames, but second of all, they walked in the flames. See, it says that 
the king ratcheted up the furnace seven times hotter than normal. Biblical scholars tell us that the, the furnace at this point would have been 1,800 degrees. It was at the same temperature that they used to bake bricks. And these men at the time were teenagers. They tell us they, they would have been anywhere from 13 to 19 years old. A full life ahead of them. But what did they do? They continued to trust God with their future. No matter what it looked like. No matter what was in front of them. These young men. And as I was thinking about this story in our Bible reading plan just a couple days ago, we came to this verse I've heard all my life. People have spoken it over my life as a young person. 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And we as old people, we look at that and think we're off the hook. No, we're not. Our modeling should be our motivation. We as the generation that's a little bit ahead of the younger generation, we should be modeling this for the people that are coming behind us. We should be modeling the love of Christ in our speech, in our actions, in our love and our faith and our purity. We're not off the hook. See, when you look at this, this passage where these three young men are right now, other people would have made excuses. Other people that were in this position would have made excuses. Hey, we're only going to do it one time. Hey, everybody else is doing it. Hey, let's just keep this between the three of us. God will understand. There's too many of us that we live our lives like that. Rather than, than standing up for, for virtue, we tend to go into our vices. And, and if we're honest in this place today, we say, I'm, I know we're not married yet, but I'm only going to have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend one time. We, we say things like, you know, I, I, I'm here right now. I'm going to go to this party. Everybody else is getting drunk, so why don't I just get drunk as well? We say, hey, I may get into this. There's a coworker in my office place, and, and we're just kind of flirty. And, hey, our spouses will never know about it. We'll just keep this between the two of us, and it'll just be fun. God will understand. Can I tell you? Men and women of God, we need to be taking our cues from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't allow any excuses. They didn't allow themselves to get into places. No, they continued to dig in their heels and say, we're going to trust God in every single step of the way. We're going to put our faith in him. People of goodness, they don't make excuses. They make an impact. People of goodness, they stand out. It's incredible. You continue to read through Daniel chapter 3, and I love it when you jump down to verse 25. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. But God, not a burn, not a mark, not an injury, not even a hint of smoke. See, their connection led to their protection. Their connection to God led to their protection by God. See, today, there are so many of us, this has to serve as a wake-up call. You've got to get connected. You've got to get tethered to God. Last night, can I tell you, I fell asleep. I fall asleep to movies and TV shows every night. I know it's not healthy for me. Take the iPad away. But last night, I watched that movie from like 10 years ago, Gravity. George Clooney, Sandra Bullock, and there's something that happens. There's like a meteor shower, and, and, and Sandra Bullock is out there. She's doing space stuff. I don't know what the girl's doing. But this meteor comes, and it like hits her, and she goes flying off into space. And I was like, what's going to happen to Sandy Bullock, yo? And as she was floating into space, can I tell you, that's what happens to us if we are not connected and we are not tethered to a relationship with God. When hard times come, when troubles come, those will be the things that now you are starting to go any which way. There are people that were once so on fire for Jesus, but they let their connection, they let their fire go dim, and now they have just wasted away to a shell of what God had called them to be. It's one of the hardest things as a pastor to watch happen. Because they weren't connected. Your connection will always lead you to your protection. See, when you look at this passage, the power of God, they welcomed the flames. They walked in the flames. And the beautiful thing about it is they withstood the flames. The flames didn't touch it. They weren't consumed by them. But you need to see as you continue to read this passage a shift starts to happen. A shift begins in the king. He goes from dismissing their God to declaring their God. It's a beautiful passage. Listen to this in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. See, when you trust in God, it's not just an opportunity for God to impact your life, but it's also an opportunity for God to impact others' lives. You see King Nebuchadnezzar, in this, this part of the story, his life was changed. He changed completely from what he once believed to something entirely different. Can I tell you, the world is watching how we handle hardships. 
The world is watching how we handle disappointments. The world is watching how we handle the end of one chapter. See, I pray for each and every one of us that if you feel this season is overwhelming, you feel the flames are about to overtake you, keep praying, keep enduring, keep trusting, because I believe the same thing is possible today that just like Nebuchadnezzar said, there is no other God who can rescue us like this. You need to speak that over your life. Whatever season you're walking through, there is no other God who can rescue us like this. See, goodness is seen in our morals, our motivations, and finally, goodness is seen in our moments. See, we all have choices that we can make. We all have decisions that we can make. We all have our moments. And Daniel, Daniel continued to prove himself. He continued to stand out. He continued to be, to be elevated in the empire. And as you read Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is now serving in, in the court of King Darius. The king says, hey, there is no one more capable in the entire land. And he makes plans to put Daniel over the entire empire. And the other officials, they try to find fault in him. They go to the king and, and they start to, to hatch a plan. Can I tell you? That when you look at, at this passage, what the men in this passage start to do towards Daniel right now, it's a reminder to each of us, there are few things that are worse than a jealous and critical spirit. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. See, there are some of you, you're in a season where you're jealous about everyone. You can't be happy for anyone because they have, they're pregnant or because they got a new job or they got accepted to that school or they got this degree with honors. And you're in a place of, of jealousy. Some of y'all are living with a critical spirit. Even this morning, you wanna know a way to figure out, do I have a critical spirit? When you walked in here today, did you bad, bad mouth anybody? Did you criticize the songs? We don't like those songs. Somebody didn't say hi to me. See, we got to be really, really careful because that's who the men that Daniel was dealing with. They were jealous of him. They were critical. And so they go to King Darius and they said, we're going to put a plan in place. For the next 30 days, oh, King what about if we put and we say that for the next month, everybody can only pray to you. They can only worship you. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure that that added to King Darius's ego. Yeah, I think that's right. Let's do that. And it says in scripture, they start to put a plan in place. And there was a moment that Daniel had to decide what to do. And can I tell you, it wasn't a hard decision. Remember, Daniel was a man of integrity. He was a man of faith. Look at what he says in Daniel 6.10. 
But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So you need to know, Daniel was old at this point. Daniel, throughout his life, he continued to do what was right. That was his habit, even though it was risky. Daniel's discipline in one season led to his devotion in another season. See, some of y'all right now, I sometimes people push back on me. Why do you always preach such a light gospel? Pastor, why do you always talk about being in God's word? We already do it. No, we don't. I think if we took a poll in this room today and I asked how many of y'all have read the, your Bible in the last week, some of y'all honestly couldn't raise your hands. I'm not saying that to judge you. But that's exactly why Daniel was such a man that we admire, a man that we, we continue to look after. See, his discipline in one season led to his devotion in the next season. He was a man who spent time in prayer every single day. And even though this law was put into effect, Daniel was gangster. Daniel continued to go to that open window, not once, but three times a day. He made it visible, hey, look at me. I'm still going to pray to my God because he had a devotion to him. Again, it was risky. Daniel knew that if he continued to pray to his God, he could lose his career and even his life. Can I give you today the most Michael of Michaelism I've ever given you from this platform? I'm telling you right now, it's the most Michael of Michaelisms. Daniel did what was right in the sight despite the fright of the oversight. Let me say that again for the people in the back and the people in the balcony. Daniel did what was right in the sight despite the fright of the oversight. Dr. Seuss, what does that mean? Daniel, he continued to do what was right in the sight of God. Although there was a moment in his life that I'm sure that without the Lord, without being tethered to his relationship with God, he could have been afraid of what the king could do to him. But he didn't have fright of the oversight. He continued to trust in his God. And I don't take it for granted. I've told our team, please never use phrases like, you all know the story. You all grew up with this verse. No, because some of you don't. Can I tell you one of the most beautiful and humbling things in generation two of Riverside Community Church over the last three years is that for some of you, we're your first ever church experience. And it's one of the greatest honors of our lives. Because maybe some of you grew up with the story, you know what happens next. 
But for some of you, this is brand new. Daniel was caught. Those jealous, critical group of men, those officials go back to King Darius and say, that law's still in effect, right? And the king's like, yeah. And they said, well, we hate to break it to you, but you know, your guy, Daniel, he continues to pray to his God and he doesn't, he doesn't pray to you, King Darius. And in that moment, the king is heartbroken. He tries to figure out a way to reverse the law, to change it, but there's nothing that he can do. And he gets Daniel and he, he throws him into the lion's den. There's a portion where he yells down and Darius says to Daniel, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And he puts a big rock, a big stone, a big covering over the top. And it, it goes on to say that Darius can't sleep all night. He gets rid of his usual entertainment. He tosses and turns. And, and the moment he sees just a sliver of daylight, he runs back to the lion's den. He removes the rock. He yells back down to Daniel. Dan, are you all right? Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And he waits for a response. And Daniel says, King, I'm still here. My God, who I continue to serve, my God, who I continue to trust in. He was able to shut the mouths of the lions. I'm here to tell another day. I got another story to tell of God's faithfulness. See, when troubles come, you can forsake God or you can face God. When hardships come, can I tell you, that is not the time to turn away from God. That's the time to turn towards God. He's faithful. He's going to show up time and time again. See, God saved Daniel, and he wants to save you. I got one more scripture, and then we're out of here. But you know I can take a scripture and stretch it out to 14 minutes, so that's not saying much. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God saved you by his grace when you believed. See, there's a moment for each of us that we have to attach our faith to God's grace. Can I tell you, good works will never be enough to save you, but you are saved to do good works. Can I tell you today, the goodness in you 
is only the result of the goodness of God. Don't get it twisted. You may be sitting here high in mind saying, I'm a good person. You better be thanking the good Lord above right now because the goodness in you is only the result of the goodness of your God. And there's some of you that say, there's no goodness in me. I'm lost. I'm broken. I've been rejected. Michael, if you knew my week this week, there have been others that have been trying to, to label me to say something that I know I'm not. There's some of you right now, this week it's felt like you've been walking through the fire. There's some of you right now that feel like I'm about to be devoured in the pit. There's no way out. Can I tell you, it has been a rough week for so many people I love. I know I'm talking to you today. But for some of you, I know it's been a rough week for you. I've sat with people who are so desperate for reconciliation in their marriage. I've sat with people that have suffered with insecurity, a lack of self-worth. I've sat with people that are battling eating disorders. I've sat with people that have been diagnosed with cancer. This has been a hard week for our team. See, there have been challenges time and time and time again. It's been a hard week for our family. If I could be completely honest and transparent. There have been times that this week, my wife and I, we've just sat with our kids and cried with them. Tried to make sense of what they're walking through. Try to point them back to Jesus. And real talk, if it wasn't hard enough, one of our kids got lice this week. You want to find romance in your life? Go up to your spouse multiple times a day and say, will you check my head, baby? They say romance is dead. Not in the Richardson household, yo. I, 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 I got to wrap this up. But this passage in Ephesians, for some reason, the Lord has continued to, to bring me back to this. A certain piece of it because you leave today and you say, I don't really like that message. You're here for the first time. You're like, I don't really like that pastor. Not my style. That's okay. Because can I tell you, nobody is harder on me than me. I don't know if any of y'all can relate. You're your own worst critic. And this week was just really, really difficult. I started to question who I am. I started to question my leadership. I started to question the kind of parent I am. I started to question what kind of spouse I am. I started to question what kind of friend I am. And, and the Lord brought me back to Ephesians chapter 2. I told you I got 14 minutes on one verse. You thought I was lying. I got one more thing I want you to write down. Because in, in, in this passage, if you really drill down and you look at it, 
the actual original Greek word is the word poiema. We're going to put it on the screen for you. Poiema. It's the spelling bee right now. I'm going to test you on your way out today. Poiema, what's the definition? Something that has been made. Can I tell somebody today, you are God's poiema. That you are something that God made. You go back to Ephesians chapter 2. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. You are God's work of art. And I don't care what other people have said about you. I don't care what other people have tried to label you with. I don't care at the late nights when you start to go down your mind. You need to start to remind yourself that you are God's poema. I am God's poema. I am this masterpiece created to do good works through Christ Jesus. And I don't know who that was a reminder for, but I'm looking for people today that would say, Michael, today, this week has been really, really difficult. And Michael, today, I needed the reminder that I'm God's masterpiece. I'm God's work of art. I'm God's poema. If that's you, stand to your feet today because this is a moment where things start to shift. I don't care what people say about me. I'm no longer going to hold on to the lies of the enemy. I know what God says about me. I'm God's Poyema. You start speaking that over your life. You start speaking that over your spouse's life. You start speaking that over your kid's life. You pulling that person real close. And you start speaking Poyema over each other's lives. Can I tell you, when you know who you are, when you know what God says about you, you can handle anything. You can handle any. I'm putting on the goodness of God every single day of my life. And now, no matter what comes my way, devil, you're not taking out my family. Devil, you're not taking out my marriage. Devil, you're not taking out this church. Why? Because I am God's masterpiece. I am God's poema. And so today, we're going to go back into a time of worship. You never let me down, God. You are good, God. See, sometimes we have to just keep telling ourselves that time and time again. Because can I tell you, these, these highs that you're on right now, those of you who are on your feet right now, hallelujah, Jesus, can I tell you, you may not even make it to lunch. You may not even be sitting down at Applebee's today or in your baby back ribs. And the enemy will try to attack you once again. No, when that starts to come, you tell Susie, your waitress, I am God's poema. When you get back and your kids are driving you crazy, when you're picking, when you're picking bugs out of kids' hair, I don't care, you're still God's poema. See, I'm telling you right now, God is moving in this church. God is moving in this community. And I'll tell you right now, I'm here for it. God, whatever you want, I want to be led by your spirit every single day. Not what I want, but what you want, dear God. And so today, I just want to pray over you. We're going to worship today. We're going to get out of here. But dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit. 
I thank you for your new infilling every single day for multiple times a day. We ask, and God, it says you always answer. You pour a blessing on us. And I don't know what my friends, I don't know what my church family's walking through, but you do. And God, we're not going to run away from you. We're going to run towards you. And right now, I pray peace. I pray comfort. I pray love over every single person under the sound of my voice today. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, that you see me today, a broken, messed up person, God, and you still say, you're my masterpiece. That's my poema. That's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so, God, I pray that you be with us as we leave today. I pray you be with us as we step into a brand new week making sure that you're going to be the center of my family, the center of this church, the center of my own relationship with you, Jesus, and truly declaring that the best is yet to come. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.